You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, April 7th, 2022. I'm Cutta Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with information on upcoming religious holidays and ASCSU election results. Then, Ellie Shannon covers local news with details on a 16-year-old being charged for murder as an adult. Then, Coda Babcock goes over new updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies. Following that, we hear from the live and local podcast with local musician Ash Redhorse. After that, Babcock goes over information on student loan payment requirements. After that, we hear from Rabbi Yerachmiel Gorelick and Chaya Geltzer about the upcoming Passover Seder, and Eliza Drotar goes over updates in CSU Athletics. CTV Channel 11 will then give us a brief overview of the Skyline Stampede. To conclude today's show, I explain updates on technology with information on Meta's entry into cryptocurrency. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Thursday, April 6. The results of the Associated Students of Colorado State University elections came in last night. Rob Long and Elijah Sandoval are the new ASCSU presidents and vice presidents. Nicholas DelSavo is the new speaker of the Senate. The Islamic Center of Fort Collins will be holding nightly events this week for Ramadan, according to Kota Babcock of the Collegian. During Ramadan, Muslims fast food from dawn to sunset. After sunset, those fasting will have a meal. During this time of fasting, the Islamic Center of Fort Collins will provide meals every night for those who are fasting. Many of their members are students who are away from their families for the first time. So in light of this, they want to provide food and support the members of their community. With Passover coming up for the Jewish community, Chabad of Northern Colorado is holding a community Seder in the Lori Student Center next Friday. For more information on this, listen in for Ellie Shannon's interview with Haya Geltzer and the Chabad rabbi. Congressman Joe Nugus recently secured $1 million in federal funding that will go towards creating a joint bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering between Adams State University and Colorado State University. This program seeks to expand STEM education in rural areas. Recently, Congressman Joe Nugus visited CSU to see the equipment at the facilities that this funding will support, according to Jeff Doug of the CSU Source News. Thank you for listening to my CSU campus news updates. I'm Kira McKinley, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Here's Ellie Shannon with your local news updates. A 16-year-old is going to be tried as an adult after stabbing a homeless man in Fort Collins last summer, resulting in the man's death. Todd Stout, 58, was found dead with multiple stab wounds under a bridge near the MAX transit station at the intersection of Harmony Road and Mason Street on July 5th, according to Sadie Swanson of the Coloradoan. The man that was stabbed had been living under the bridge trying to get sober and was likely asleep when the attack happened. Investigators used blood from the scene as well as GPS tracking to connect the teen to the murder. The next court date is on May 2nd. Larimer County Jail deputies have begun wearing a body camera this week. The Sheriff's Office has expanded its body-worn camera contract with Axon to provide 188 additional cameras and charges for deputies working in the jail. According to Sadie Swanson of the Coloradoan, a news release stated that the body cameras will cost the county $6.7 million over the next eight years. The deputies have certain circumstances where the camera must be on, but they can also activate their cameras at any other time that they believe is appropriate. 
A free COVID-19 testing site in Fort Collins is set to close, making it one of the 40 community sites that has closed in Colorado. 80 state-run testing sites will still be open throughout the state. The demand for COVID-19 tests plummeted after hospitalizations also dwindled. The state will still be able to give out 26,000 tests a day if needed in the future. The House Business Affairs and Labor Committee of the state of Colorado has passed a bill to boost Colorado's workforce by making it easier for a professional to transfer their credentials to the state. In a press release from the Colorado House Democrats, Representative Shannon Byrd stated, This bipartisan bill would streamline the credentials transfer process so Colorado businesses and companies can attract highly qualified professionals, end quote. Examples of transferable professional credentials include various healthcare professionals, veterinarians, and certified public accountants. Thank you for listening to my local news updates. Tune in to the Rocky Mountain Review Tuesday and Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. I'm Ellie Shannon for KCSU on 90.5 FM, and we will be right back. Hey, this is DJ Asher. And this is DJ Dallas. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed any part of Campus and Local News with Kira McKinley and Ellie Shannon, check out our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to listen back. I'm Coda Babcock, and these are COVID-19 updates for Thursday. Colorado State University reports over 8,100 cases of COVID-19 among students, staff, and faculty of the university. Four new cases were reported yesterday, with three cases among students and one among staff. Larimer County reports a low community transmission level for COVID-19, with a seven-day case rate of around 89 cases per 100,000 residents. This week, about 6% of COVID-19 tests administered came back positive. New COVID-19 admissions remain low, and COVID-19 patients take up less than 1% of inpatient hospital beds in the county. Larimer County reports over 79,000 cases and over 480 deaths. Cases are slowly going up in the county, so keeping distance, wearing masks, and meeting up in outdoor spaces is encouraged. The state of Colorado reports over 1.3 million COVID-19 cases and over 13,000 deaths. 4.3 million people have been tested in the state, and 61,000 total people are hospitalized. 10.4 million vaccines have been administered, and nearly 4 million Colorado residents are fully immunized against COVID-19. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports over 80 million cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. and over 980,000 deaths. Cases are going up nationwide, and about 82% of eligible Americans are at least partially vaccinated against COVID-19. 
I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for Thursday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine information and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. The Chabad Jewish Student Organization at CSU plans to host its 17th annual Passover Seder on April 15th. Passover is an annual Jewish holiday that celebrates the liberation of the Jewish population enslaved in Egypt over 3,000 years ago. Today, I am joined by Rabbi Gorlick and Chabad Jewish Student Organization President Haya Geltzer. Thank you both for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having us. The first question I have is about the steps that Passover follows. There are 15 steps that are the Seder. Haya, can you tell me about these steps and what the dinner will look like? Yeah, absolutely. So we start with reciting Kiddush, which is a blessing over a cup of wine, and that kind of introduces the whole celebration. Then we go to washing our hands. Then we eat vegetables dipped in salt water. We break matzah. We recite the Haggadah. We wash our hands again. We recite other blessings. We eat bitter herbs. We eat a sandwich of matzah and maror. Uh, we set the table. We eat the afikomen. Uh, we recite the grace after the meal. We recite psalms of praise. And then we ask for God's promise to accept our service. And so all of these have meaning behind them. And that's all explained during the dinner. And we go through the whole story of Passover, all of the plagues, all of the the order of events. And so it's really educational and really interesting. Can you tell us about what the four questions are and how this tradition would Seder the student population rather than a family? When we say children, it's not just referring to biological children, but it's it's the child inside of us. We need to always maintain um, that purity, that freedom, that, uh, that curiosity, right? Because we're always looking to grow essentially, right? And the greatest freedom of all is to be able to ask questions, right? And healthy questions that help us expand our own boundaries on what's encouraged in Judaism. And that's why questions have a very prominent part in the Seder, as well as any aspect of Judaism. So we highlight it as, as the children asking those questions, but really it's something we're all encouraged to do. And that's the only true way to be free, because that's after all what Passover is all about. It's about finding inner freedom those things that are holding us back. And the first thing we need to do is to challenge our realities, to challenge our preconceived notions, to challenge what society is telling us we must do, be, or feel, right? And uh, to start exploring truths beyond those determinations. And that that helps us uh, find that freedom that we're looking for. Really gives us that opportunity to grow. Thank you, Rabbi. How many people are expected to show up at the event? We're hoping, I would say, for around 150 to 200 people. We don't really know what to expect coming out of COVID again, but our Shabbat 200 event we held a few months ago had very high attendance, so we're hoping for about the same. And we usually do get around 200 since it's open to community as well. So it promises to be a nice event, but as Chaya said, you've got post-COVID realities. It's being on a week weekend, so a lot of Jewish students will probably go home and whatnot, but we're still excited. Do people have to register for the event? We have an online RSVP. Responding to the Facebook RSVP is not sufficient. Do you happen to know that website? JewishCSU.com slash 
cider, S-E-D-E-R, because that's what a Passover dinner is called. It's called a cider, which means order, because there's 15 steps to personal liberation. So jewishcsu.com slash cider, and it's on the soul story as well. The event will last for several hours. So how can people stay engaged throughout the night? Well, we hold a lot of very engaging skits. So people are performing, kind of trying to describe and depict what happened during the original Passover, I guess. So we have that. We have a lot of dialogue. Everybody is encouraged to ask questions or give their personal perspectives. And so, I mean, in theory, yeah, Passover tends to be a longer holiday, kind of a longer uh, process, but it will not feel so long because it's very engaging. Everyone has so much fun. Judaism, if it's not fun, meaningful and relevant, is not Judaism. And so we make it that way. I've yet to see anybody be bored at our event. Rabbi Gorla, can you tell me about the message of Passover and what Passover means for the Jewish community? You know, like all Jewish holidays, you know, they have historical origins, right? But Judaism very much believes that, uh, you know, all existence, all realities exist on a uh, multi-dimensional plane. And so you've got the physical and the spiritual. So while you have the physical origins of event, there's a spiritual drama, a spiritual narrative playing out at the same time. And while it was the exodus of the Jewish people thousands of years ago from Egypt, at the same time, it represents and it teaches us, and that's what all the festivals are, really sort of uh, landmarks and, and, um, and uh, highway signs as we navigate the vicissitudes of life. And this particular holiday is about our own personal freedom. The word Egypt in Hebrew also means restraints and limitations. And the key challenge facing most people um, is not necessarily external realities, but internal uh, enslavement to our addictions, to our anxieties, to our um, concerns, to our trauma, to our uh, uh, perceived social expectations of ourselves. There's so much that holds us back from finding true freedom, which will allow us to soar with the wings that we have, represented by the tremendous and infinite potential that we find in each of human beings. So in that light, while many Jewish people may not aware, be aware of it, you know, where they think that, you know, Passover dinner is this really nostalgic, uh, sentimental time with family, which it is, and it's a lot of fun and it's very special, but really it's just not an ordinary sort of meal. It's a uh, 15-step multi-sensory program which reaches deep inside the human psyche, right, in every way possible. And all of the aspects, the rich melodies, the visuals, the prayers, the rituals, the stories, even the taste of smell and, and touch, <clears throat> Uh, part of this important tradition which goes through certain steps in order for us to help us, guide us towards the path of uh, liberation and inner freedom so we can reach that level of serenity and, 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 and importantly reach our full potential as human beings, which we're often not because we're held back by all those realities that I mentioned before. And so it's a beautiful evening and each step is going to be explained and so people can go through that and say, wow, you know, I, I didn't realise... Washing our hands meant so much. I didn't realise breaking the matzah or having bitter herbs is something so powerful and it's providing such insight. And that's why it's it's truly magical because usually a meal's a meal, but this is way more than just that. I would say it's that evening where we really merge body and soul <clears throat> into create a very transformative experience. I would just say that Passover really offers an opportunity for reflection. Like Rabbi said, in each step, 
Um, there's so much to learn and so much to apply to yourself, even in the modern day, you know, even so many thousands of years after the original Passover. So I think it's a really applicable, really enjoyable tradition that kind of centers you, grounds you, and returns you to focusing on what's really important in life, basic freedoms, and we're so lucky. The food is a large part of Passover. Can you tell me what kind of food there will be and what it symbolizes? Yeah, absolutely. So we have, first, there's a vegetable dipped in salt water, and that represents the salty tears um, that were shed in the time of pain by the Jews uh, during slavery. Uh, We also have matzah, and that is um, traditionally, it was created because while leaving Egypt, essentially the Jews didn't have enough time to let their bread rise. And so they made this kind of unleavened bread, uh, which ended up kind of like a cracker, like matzah. And then we also have our, our bread. And then we have also bitter herbs, which represented the challenges from the oppressors. We have a sandwich of the matzah and the maror, and maror is basically apples and honey. Uh, so it's sweet. You can It kind of celebrates the sweetness in the time of difficulty and, and bitterness in life. And then we also have an egg and a bone, which Rabbi can explain why. So each of those items on the side of plate, well done, Chai, I'm so impressed. Um, you, you've done your homework. I gave Chai homework to do, and she's been studying, and it's just a wonderful thing to see. Each of those items on the side of plate are a crucial part of the ritual we do with it. Um, the bone or the chicken bone represents the Paschal lamb, the offering that we always offer up every time we have a holiday. And what are we offering up? Or essentially when we take animal fats and we take part of an animal to offer up, what we're saying is that as a body and soul, the way to reach a higher level of functioning and to operate in a more spiritual way is to offer up some of that passion that we have physicality and turn it into more spiritual endeavours. Um, the egg represents the festival sacrifice. Why an egg specifically? An egg represents the symbolic cycle of life, right? Where everything always comes around. And every time we have a festival, we give thanks. It takes, gives us a moment to pause and to focus on the gratitude and the blessings that we do have in our lives. So each of those items represents something important. Now, you may ask, why do we have bitter herbs on it? That seems to be a little unnecessary. Well, the truth is it's not because if we gloss over or we ignore or we stifle bitter experiences in life and our challenges, right, then we may lose an important um, component of our healing, right? Sometimes we need a taste and remind ourselves a little bit about what we went through um, to remind ourselves of the power of perseverance, of uh, how strong we became as a result thereof, right? Kind of like steel that's hardened um, in fire and heat, right? The pain sometimes in life, which we don't look for, and the setbacks actually strengthen us. And so it reminds us of that Jewish principle in life that everything that comes is from God. So ultimately is positive. We can choose to look at those obstacles in life as, you know, a block in our path of happiness, or we can choose to look at them as challenges that give us a ladder to go to greater heights. And that's why it's important where we eat those bitter herbs, because we want to recontextualize, gain new perspective on those challenges that we went through that we really didn't have a choice. And then it's lovely when you have that sandwich, when you put it all together, the matzah, the freedom, the bitter herbs, the enslavement, and it represents that idea of life. There's a time to cry, there's a time to to laugh, right, a time to celebrate, a time to feel harshness of life, but ultimately that makes up the rainbows of life. And if we have the right attitude to all of them, then we grow appropriately, right? And 
we know we're fulfilling our mission that God sent us here, and that's how we have true freedom. It's when people unfortunately get caught up just to the challenges and they, whoa, why me? Or they get too completely over-consumed with the joys, etc. It's about finding that balance and recognizing that we need all of these aspects that we largely don't really choose in order to progress as uh, you know, healthy human beings. Yeah. My last question is what time will the event start and where will it be held? To make sure it starts at 7 p.m. and it's held in the Lori Student Center main ballroom. Um, but we would recommend getting there a little bit earlier so that you have time to find seats, relax. Yeah, so we can start on time at 7 p.m. Is there anything else you both would like to add? I just want to say that this is an all-inclusive, diverse event, and we encourage everybody to join us, not just Jewish people, not just not just students and faculty, but also community members. So we are really eager to bring in as many people as we can, show the tradition explain why we do what we do and um, hope that everybody walks away with kind of an internal reflection and appreciation for what they have. I, I, you know, I said it the best, you know, we encourage people, especially in this day and age, and it's our first Passover after a pandemic pause of two years to, um, they so wish to come in and explore how one culture, the Jewish people internalize uh, the messages of uh, their holidays in towards the purpose of internal growth um, and refinement and to ever, you know, reaching out um, to become happier and brighter people and in so doing, uh, creating more light for the world as well. Thank you both again for joining me today. You can RSVP by going to jewishnco.com and navigate to the Holidays tab. We'll be right back. This is DJ Asher. And this is DJ Dallas. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Cutta Babcock for KCSU News, and you're listening to National News for Tuesday. The U.S. Department of Education is extending the student loan pause until August 31st. According to Corey Turner at National Public Radio, this announcement came Wednesday and extends the pause on payments, interest, and collection of student loans for several more months. In addition to extending this moratorium, the department also announced a plan to support 7 million borrowers with loans in default. The plan intends to reset their status and put them back in good standing, a status they can maintain so long as they begin paying student loan payments after August 31st. President Joe Biden said in the announcement, quote, if loan payments were to resume on schedule in May, analysis of recent data from the Federal Reserve suggests that millions of student loan borrowers would face significant economic hardship and delinquencies and defaults could threaten Americans' financial stability, end quote. 
The decision to extend through August is a compromise between Democrats who want a longer extension and Republicans who want the moratorium to end at the planned May 1st deadline. The U.S. Supreme Court reinstated a rule that blocks Native American tribes and local states from blocking pipelines that are likely to pollute waterways. Jessica Gresko from the Associated Press reports that the decision was 5-4 to four along political lines in favor of keeping the law in place after a judge in a lower federal court tried to toss it. The rule was originally put into place by the Trump administration, and the court's decision to maintain it will not prevent the Biden administration's plans to rewrite the rule. Three of the conservative justices who chose to maintain the rule were selected by former President Donald Trump. The dissenting group argued that states had never previously harmed the progress of a pipeline based on their requests for evidence from pipeline companies and other industry groups. Justice Elena Kagan said this proved misuse of the emergency petitioning process from conservative justices as well, as no urgency had been proven in this case. The following story discusses the case of a black man being killed by police. The story is about a minute long. Minnesota prosecutors chose not to charge a Minneapolis officer for killing Amir Locke in a no-knock raid. Reuters reports that the prosecution argued that Locke was a victim in the shooting, but they lacked evidence to charge the officer who fired the fatal shot. While Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison and County Attorney General Michael Freeman argued for finding Locke's family justice, the state could not find evidence of any criminal wrongdoing on the end of police. The two attorney generals said the blame may be on the end of no-knock warrant policies in Minnesota. The statement they sent out said, quote, this tragedy may not have occurred absent the no-knock warrant used in this case, end quote. Locke was 22 when he was killed by police on February 2nd and aspired to be a musician. Wednesday, the House of Representatives voted on a motion that would recommend criminal contempt charges against former Trump aides Peter Navarro and Dan Scavino. According to Catherine Watson from CBS News, the two have not complied with subpoenas from the January 6th committee, which is investigating the assault on the U.S. Capitol early last year. Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows had similar recommendations sent from the House to the U.S. Department of Justice, with approval from the House of Representatives making it likely that the same will happen in this case. When contempt referrals are sent to the Justice Department, the future of those recommendations is largely in their hands. This means that even if the House believes that the two are guilty of criminal contempt, there isn't much that representatives can do at this point. Bannon was charged in November with contempt of Congress, but the Department of Justice has not moved forward in the case of Meadows. That's all for National News. I'm Coda Babcock for KCSU News on the Rocky Mountain Review. Up next, we're going to hear from the live and local podcast, so stay tuned. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU. My name is DJ Delone, and we've got Ash Red Horse and the Midnight Suns in here today. These guys just played a house show yesterday. How was that? The house show was great. It was a surprising turnout. We had a lot of people. I mean, it was pretty sick because we had, you know, five bands play and uh, a DJ as well. So Hotel Alone, and we had uh, Muckluck ourselves and then we had uh los toms and lucid blue so shout out to all those guys for coming out awesome awesome and you guys play a lot of house shows um i think that was technically our first one so we're a pretty new band so we're kind of just now getting into all these things so pretty exciting but we hope to play more soon for sure yeah absolutely did you play just by yourself when you played at the was it not the emporium the The atrium the atrium it was it was these guys but we hadn't yet like had the whole band name so you know we have scott and jp from muck luck in the band and so once we finally became a band like technically yesterday was our first band show so okay that's really cool what other venues have you you know played here in town the atrium and the lyric and uh i think that's it but two good ones to play you know absolutely i was just thinking if i had you know seen you at 
swing station one time or another, but <laughs> I wish <laughs> maybe soon sometime soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this next song that we have is called time. You kind of let me in, you know, the last song was at home was kind of a, like a love song times kind of a love song. Yeah. So home is kind of like, you know, when you are already in love and like you found that like solid connection and you find home in somebody time is kind of like leading up to that almost in a way, you know, it's kind of like you just, your love becomes ethereal and uh, eternal essentially is kind of the idea of it. So is this a common theme throughout the rest of your music as well? It, I think there's like a, it's deep rooted in like kind of like love stories and like reflecting on your youth and stuff like that. So I think that's just kind of what I related to the most in music. And I kind of wanted to bring that forward in mind. Awesome. Do you want to get into to time? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Sounds good. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU. We've got Ash Redhorse and the Midnight Suns here in the studio, and they're going to get going with their song Time.
You're listening to 90.5 KCSU. We've got Ash Redhorse and the Midnight Suns here in the studio. They've played a few songs already. First one was Hardcore Boy. The second one was Home. We just listened to Time right before that break. And we're going to talk about this next song called NYC and the story behind it. You want to take it away, Ash? Yeah. So essentially what you were kind of asking before is like, you know, is this kind of a common theme in my music of love songs that yes that is the thing but typically there's mostly written about like the first <clears throat> true love of my life and so nyc was just kind of written when she had moved to new york city because she's a ballerina and uh she was kind of you know getting away from it all and taking an opportunity to try to go to the next step you know in her her work but um i don't know i haven't talked to her so but this song is in concept knowing that like hey like i know i'll probably see you again one day because we're like, you know, soulmates. So I hope it's true. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It would be awesome. Do you want to just get right into the song? Or you... Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, let's just do that. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. 
lucky love you I couldn't want you enough for you to stay You're listening to 90.5 KCSU. We've got Ash Redhorse and the Midnight Suns here in the studio today. During the break, we were talking to Ash just a little bit about his musical history and how he moved out to Colorado in general. So where were you at before that? Yeah, so I was living uh, technically in Denver. I, I just kind of like moved around, you know, to and from Fort Collins a few times. My first time up here was in like 2017 to start a band. So uh, that didn't work out. Took the whole musical route of doing hip hop and stuff under different alias and uh, kind of came back to making rock music with these guys. And so, yeah, this is probably like my first like real true band because we've actually put in a lot of hours for it and a lot of work, but it's a lot different from the beginning. So how long have you guys been just playing together as a whole? Well, with me and Dawson, we've been playing together for years. I actually met him at work <laughs> and we kind of just bonded over that and we've made a lot of music together and Dawson was actually a part of Muckluck, and we have two members of Muckluck here. So uh, I don't know. What do you guys feel about that? If, like you could kind of elaborate on how that is. And we've been only been playing for like five months, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like yeah. five months. Like it's once, band, yeah. like once a week at least, you know. And then, so yeah, just about five months accumulatively. Cool. For the other two of you guys, how is it? You know, balancing your lives with playing in two different bands. It's a. It's pretty good. It's it's hard sometimes, but you know, it's it's a lot of fun. I was going to say with you, Jacob, you, you probably have a lot more going on, you know, you PhD student and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. I got, you know, I gotta, gotta make everyone happy and, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. But... <laughs> there. Yeah. And how about you, Scott? What do you feel? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's honestly a blast to be able to play two different forms of music. Like, uh, Muck Luck is my passion band. That's the one to be, uh, my roommate Hank and I started, uh, back when it was Disturbance Happens. And then over the years we changed it into Muck Luck. And so we've been ripping that music for a long time and it's a completely different energy than this music. So it's really fun. Like even yesterday at the house show, we played the muckluck and then Ash Red Horse back to back. So JP and I just stood on stage and just changed out two members and put two members back. And it was, it was real fun to like force your brain to think about those things differently. It was quite the event. <laughs> and I mean, even Dawson bounces too, because he, um, he's also a producer and, rapper kind of yeah you know like yeah. i'll let you explain it <laughs> yeah man mostly a mostly producer um i really love uh making trap beats and this is such a nice change of pace that like getting to play with these guys and doing live instruments and stuff it's a great balance man so yeah really thankful to be playing with these guys this next song that we've got from you guys is called lost um, mm -hmm. just real quick did you rate all of this music uh before yeah so the crazy part is um a lot of these songs are like seven years old or five years old that kind of just never really came to be because it was just me and a guitar. And then I wanted to like get better. And I always kind of feel like there was a right time and it kind of feels like now is actually the right time. And it's beautiful to see these songs kind of actually come to life for once. So yeah, I, I write all the lyrics um, <clears throat> and I have the basic like structure of everything down, but you know, obviously these guys come in and add, you know, flair and, you know, timing and all this kind of great stuff. So that I couldn't do by myself. So I'm so happy to have them. Okay. So after, you know, kind of writing all of these songs, you, you know, form the band, what was mm. the most surprising, you know, kind of component of a song that you didn't see coming, but like, love that it's there. Like just a particular song or just like a particular moment in a song is what you're saying? Yeah. Um, 
just like a special moment that, you know, wouldn't have happened without these guys. Well, it's actually in this next song, 100%. Um, so Dawson and I made a demo of this forever ago, like a few years back. Um, it's really great, but when we actually added a whole band into it, and then we were kind of finding like, oh, well, if we want to make this bridge, we want to make it sound a little different than what it's going. And that's constantly Dawson's you know, train of thought being like, we can always make it better. And I'm like, yeah, you're okay, you're right. <laughs> so he brought in the you know change up of some chords and what was it, the C minor? Yeah. It blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's great. It's, you know, some of these songs were songs that me and Josh made with Ableton Live and just recording like two or three years ago. And we have completely like produced versions of them. And it's great to get some like people who can really play instruments on there. You know, it, it really brings everything to life. So that's yeah. been a really fun experience for me. Yeah. Yeah, man. Crazy. Awesome. So how old is this song then? Song Lost? Lost? Uh, I'd say like 2018. 2018. Mm -hmm. So there's a few different versions of it. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, Technically, there's two. two. So there's there's a the demo version that um, I may or may not release, but uh, we want to obviously put this version out there too because this is current. It's hot. And it's just what's going to be the next version of it, I guess. Yep. <laughs> awesome. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> One of the funniest stories that I you know I've heard from people is um, that Talking Head song Psycho Killer because mm -hmm. they have what like eight different versions of that song. Really? <laughs> Something. It's crazy. There's like just different years. Like you'll see it and then um, it's just really funny. Um, but it's also really cool to see like an evolution of a song happen. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening to the Live and Local podcast brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. That was Ash Red Horse and the Midnight Suns. You just heard the Live and Local podcast with Ash Red Horse. If you want to listen to more of that, you can head to kcsufm.com slash podcast, or you can go on the KCSU app. I'm Kota Babcock, and we'll be right back. Support for KCSU comes from Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut Toasted Subs is a cannabis-themed restaurant with three locations in Fort Collins and two close to campus. Ordering is available online for pickup or delivery. For locations and a menu, visit chibahut.com. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's softball, the team is now 11-19, and 19, losing all three of their games during the week to Utah State. Their next three games are at home against New Mexico State, starting on Friday. In track and field, the team took part in the West Coast Relays hosted by Fresno State. And congrats to our top finishers, Jalen Jasper, Ann Peter, Sarah Carter, and Yolanda Johnson, and all the other athletes who competed this weekend. In women's golf, the team is taking part in the Mary B.S. Cooth Invitational, and in men's golf, they will be taking part in the Wyoming Cowboys Classic this week. In women's tennis, the girls won their last two matches against New Mexico and Air Force. Their next matches are against UNLV and San Diego State this weekend. If you are interested in student tickets, go to CSU Rams. .evenu.net to get your student tickets for all your sports here on campus.
My name is Eliza Drotar. This has been your Armour Sports Report. Thanks to CTV 11, we're going to hear from Brandon Ferguson, the head coach of the CSU Rodeo Club. So this weekend, we're hosting the 71st annual Skyline Stampede. This is actually the, the oldest college rodeo in the country. The CSU Rodeo Club started in 1950 and kind of were the first ones to take the reins on having, you know, competitive uh, rodeo in, in college to allow students to uh, get an education as well as continue to compete in rodeo. So uh, we're, part, we're one of uh, 10 rodeos that are held in the central Rocky Mountain region for, for Naira, which is our basically our NCAA. It's uh, the National Intercollegiate Rodeo Association. It's our, our sanctioning body. But we have 10 rodeos in this region every year, five in the fall, five in the spring, and, and uh, we get the honor and the opportunity to, to be one of the five in the spring. So, so this is the 71st annual. Unfortunately, there's, uh, you know, I've heard several different places that there's been more there, you know, like everything I've heard is that we, we've held more than that, but keeping documents and keeping track of stuff since 1950, it's, it's you know, that that's uh, 71st is where we've landed on. That's what we can confidently say that we can prove that we know we've had that many. So this year we have actually added in addition to our rodeo, we're having a alumni luncheon. So tomorrow at 1.30, we, we get to set up in the Temple Grandin and really just have an opportunity to honor uh, the alumni that, you know, to me, that's, those are the people that really paved the way for for us to be here doing what we're doing. So, so we get to have the luncheon tomorrow and get to, we've, we've done different things with the alumni in the past and it's, it's awesome because it's just, you know, you get to, you know, personally thank those people that, that sacrificed and you, and you know the things they went through to, to continue keeping a, the rodeo program strong and going and it's just a cool opportunity to, to thank them personally and to, to visit with them and just get to know them a little more personally. So that, that's another thing that we've added this year. And then we also, during Saturday night's performance, we're going to have a silent auction. Um, there'll be, I think there's 45 items that got donated to the, to the rodeo team that are going to be um, on tables spread out through BW Pickett Arena. So that's kind of a, a new addition that is, is pretty cool that uh, we're going to be able to have that as a, another thing to, to give people to do during, during the rodeo. So yeah, the, the traditions are just, yeah, like I'd kind of spoke on uh, CSU with it, you know, being the Colorado State A&M when it started and they were the Aggies, you know, that it, there's a lot of very, very strong roots in in the rodeo world and in, in the Western world. So to me, it's just, it's it's pretty pretty awesome to, to be able to, to just say I'm a part of that. I've, I rodeoed my entire life and I actually... Grew up in Deer Trail, Colorado, which is where the world's first rodeo was in 1869. So, you know, the history of the sport has always just been fascinating to me. So to be able to be here, to be a part of uh, more of the history that was made by, by CSU is just pretty awesome. It's a pretty cool thing to be a part of. It really, it benefits them by just, it's a lot of very real life lessons. You know, this with it being a sanctioned rodeo, there's there's a lot of things that have to be done that we have to do a certain way just to make it um, a fair opportunity for all the kids competing that everybody has the same opportunity. So it's just for me, it's just awesome to, you know, we have kids that have rodeoed. We have kids that have never rodeoed, never been around it, just thought it looked cool. And we get the opportunity to let them, you know, not just watch a rodeo or buy a ticket, but actually be involved in it and actually be a part of this is, you know, just recognizing and seeing the work it takes to, to put on a rodeo. And then from there, be able to take those lessons and, and apply them in other places and in, in school and, and life going forward. 
the best way I can explain that was how it was explained to me when I started competing. The gentleman, Bruce Ford, who was kind of my mentor, taught me how to ride bareback horses, told me that if I wanted a hobby, I should go collect stamps. You know, it, it's not really something that you can do here and there. It, it really has to be a, a calling and a passion to, to really, you know, not, you, you don't really compete in rodeo as much as you just, you live rodeo. It's, it's very much a part of your identity, who you are, and, and you, you can't really just do it on the weekends or do it here and there. It, it has to be really, truly just a, a part of who you are and just something that you just can live every day and not get tired of because it's always changing. It's always, always advancing, always getting better in my opinion. So it's, yeah, it's definitely not a hobby. It's something that it takes, it takes a lot of time, but rewarding time. Every, every second of it that I've been involved is, has been rewarding for what I've gotten. I was a bareback rider for 23 years, but I started the first rodeo I entered, I was 11 years old and it was in this building. And then the first high school rodeo I entered was also in this building. And it just kind of continued on from there to where I, when I was approached about this opportunity, it made a lot of sense because of how much time I had spent here. You know, it was a lot of my childhood into my adulthood. You know, anytime I had an opportunity to come here to compete, I would, you know, it didn't matter what else was going on, I would be here because I just always, always really felt like there was something more here for me. And it was cool to just kind of see that come together like it did. So, so yeah, for me, it's just, I, I couldn't think of anything cooler that I could be a part of with this and just how much it's, it's made me grow as an individual um, and my family. I have uh, two kids. My son Brody is 12. My daughter Katie is eight and my wife McKenna. And they're, you know, as involved as I am, they're working on getting stuff together right now, get over here. So it's, just to be able to, to do this along with my family and, and then with my rodeo family. So it's, it's just a, it's a cool experience. To hear more about Brandon Ferguson and the CSU Rodeo Club, tune in tonight on YouTube by searching CTV11, and that will be live at 7 p.m. This is Ellie Shannon with your tech news. Meta has given up on their DM cryptocurrency and is instead leaning towards in-app tokens that would be centrally controlled by the company. According to Jay Peters of The Verge, the currency would be like those used in gaming apps such as the Robux currency and the popular children's game Roblox. Meta is also exploring social tokens or reputation tokens, which could be issued as rewards for meaningful contributions in Facebook groups. Meta spokesperson said in a statement to The Verge, there are no updates as of now and that the company is always considering new innovations for products, businesses, and creators. Google warned Android app developers that starting in November, the company will hide apps and block their installation to users' devices if developers haven't kept up with the latest operating system releases. This means that Android users who are keeping up with the latest software or those who've just purchased new Android phones will no longer be able to find or download old, out-of-date apps. According to Sarah Perez of TechCrunch, Google believes outdated apps offer a poor experience but also pose potential security threats. Google Docs is getting support for emoji reactions. 
The company says the feature supports all the emojis available and users can comment with the icon instead of a fully written comment. The emoji reactions will appear as an option when you highlight text. Most users will be able to experience this after April 20th. Thanks for listening to my tech news updates. This is Ellie Shannon for KCSU on 90.5 FM. A high wind warning continued in Fort Collins today with a high of 57 degrees and a low of 29 degrees with cloudy skies. Friday, expect sunny skies and much lower winds with a high of 66 and a low of 37. Saturday will continue to warm up to a high of 76 and a low of 39 with partly cloudy skies and winds picking up to 15 miles per hour. Sunday cools back down to a high of 59 and a low of 31, with mostly sunny skies and high winds at 20 miles per hour. Monday, we'll see some rain, with a high of 47 and a low of 26, and moving into Tuesday, we'll see a mix of rain and snow with a high of 40 and a low of 23, with moderate winds. And for Wednesday, tune in on Tuesday from 4 to 5 in the afternoon for the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM. I'm Coda Babcock for KCSU News, and information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, London Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandel, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you.